0: Hey, this is the Friends with Businesses podcast. In this episode, we talk with Anupa Nike of Five Stone Consulting, a tech strategy consulting firm she started with two partners after the previous company they all worked for, Inquicker, was acquired. We talked to Anupa about working in technology why she never thought she'd be an entrepreneur and how yoga helps her in business and in life
1: hey we're here with the friends with businesses podcast with anupa knight today of five stone consulting i am elizabeth yarbro
0: and i'm blake Ermus.
1: so anupa you and i have known each other for a couple of years now through a mutual friend is that right Yeah, that's right. I think we met at a house party one time. That sounds like fun. (laughs) I think you're right. And now we know each other even better through the business community, the local business community here in Nashville. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you like to do when you're not working, how you ended up in Nashville.
2: Sure. Yeah, um, I am from a small town in North Carolina, born and raised there and um, went to UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad. So I am a Tar Heel through and through, especially during basketball season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, after college, I, I had focused on a healthcare undergraduate degree, healthcare business undergraduate degree, and went on to consult. Um, with Huron Consulting Group for about five years. And um, then I knew I wanted to make my way out of kind of the, the grind of uh, travel consulting. And um, I was looking to get my MBA. That felt like the next natural step. Um, and when I was doing my MBA search, I found you know what a great uh, program Vanderbilt has, especially on the healthcare side. Um, and how much connection they have to small businesses. And so when I came out to Nashville to check out Vanderbilt, um, you know, I totally fell in love with the small program and the city. Uh, So I came here in 2010, um, and I thought it was gonna be like a two year, you know, just in and out of Nashville. And then I'd be on my way, maybe back to North Carolina or somewhere else. Um, uh, But of course, Nashville has a way of kind of keeping you here. And so um, I got connected to um, in quicker after, um, after Vanderbilt and that kept me here. And here I am, you know, founding a business here. Um, oh yeah, and you asked about things I like to do outside of the work world. Um, I love to practice yoga and meditation and that's something that I've dug further into since I've been here in town. Actually recently got my uh, yoga teacher training from a local studio. Um, love being outside, which Nashville offers so much of, with the hikes in town and out
1: of town. So, love getting outside with my dogs. So, yeah, that's about it. Cool. Thank you. So, yoga. You, that's right. Mm-hmm. You just finished your teacher training. Is that what you said? Your is that two hundred hours or something? How long did that take? That's right.
2: You? Yeah, that was a two hundred hour program and. Um, it's like an intensive program for four months and you meet, you know, uh, on nights and weekends and you have your you know, group of people that you're meeting with every week. So it was an incredible experience. But a little sidebar there is it took me many years to complete because I started it as an independent study years before that um, and did it on my own time, which meant it did not get done until I decided to go into the intensive. So that would be my little tip for anyone there, if you're trying to get your, your yoga teacher training, get get a group of people and do it in a finite amount of time because you get a lot from that and um, it, you know you get to immerse yourself in yoga for a period of time.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun and hard work too, but that is something that I would like to do in the near future, so it's fun to hear you talk about it. Why did you decide to finish that up at a time when you're also building a new business?
2: Mm. Yeah, well, you know, um, when I was not uh, building my own business, my hours were uh, more dictated by other people, right, my, my boss, my coworkers, um, and I didn't feel like I, I could commit to kind of that 6 to 10 p.m. two nights a week plus weekend courses. Um, I didn't feel as in control of my time. And now that I'm a business owner, I mean, I think I work many more hours, but those hours are kind of, you know, um, decided by me. So it
1: it felt like I could do both.
2: That
1: makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So you've been in Nashville for about a decade. Is this your 10 year anniversary this year? Yeah, that's right. This summer I will have been here for 10 years. That's exciting. I'm so glad you like
0: you, it. So, you spent most of your, I guess it looks like f- almost five years at InQuicker. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah that's right. And then I've never heard of this company, but it sounds like it's kind of right up my alley with like healthcare IT. Tell me a little bit about that company, just for my curiosity, actually.
2: Oh, such an incredible company. Um, I got to join as an early employee there. And, um, you know, we focused on bringing online scheduling to healthcare. So that started with everything from urgent cares to emergency departments, and then to doctor's offices, You know, the ability for something that is really kind of very common today, but wasn't as common in 2006, um, when, when that concept was first coming up within in quicker. Um, but you can think about it as like an open table for healthcare. So going online, picking your appointment time or your reservation time um, and then showing up and then they're expecting you rather than you having to either pick up the phone or go and just sit in the waiting room.
0: Yeah. It looks like a, looks like a smaller company. I'm looking at about 12 employees on LinkedIn. So it looks like they got a pretty small team, but they're making a pretty big impact. Is that correct?
2: Oh, well actually, yeah, that's interesting that that's how it's showing up on LinkedIn now, probably because of the acquisition and the fact that the employees are now employees of Stericycle. Stericycle, yeah, yep. okay. Mm-hmm. So in got inquired, probably it's been four years now. Um, and I I was around for that acquisition. That was a really exciting time. Um, there was a lot of acquisitions happening in that online scheduling space. Um, and so joined the parent company and was a part of that for two years before making our our way out and start our own business.
0: Cool. Yeah. Okay. The reason I moved to Nashville was because of healthcare IT, electronic health records. You know, it's, a, it's a big thing. And Nashville is pretty, a pretty hot market for people like myself. And I guess for you as well for yeah. for this type of software, for sure. Oh,
1: well, that's cool that that's what brought you here too.
0: Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Sorry, Elizabeth. I didn't mean to step on your question.
1: No, it's <laughs> okay. That's great. I wanted to hear more about in quicker too. So, but now we're here to, The point at which you decide to go out on your own and with a couple team members and start Five Stone Consulting, can you tell us a little bit about how you made that decision? How and why did you decide to leave a big company after a successful acquisition and start something of your own?
2: Yeah, you know, actually I credit in Quicker a lot for where I am today because um, the founders and leaders of that company really built it in a very intentional way. Um, you know, we had flexibility in where we worked and how we worked. And I felt really supported in growing in the type of role I had. Um, so when I started and in quicker, I was an implementation manager because I was coming from my consulting background, my MBA background. I was very much more like operational. How does somebody use a piece of technology? Um, and then, what I was learning in that process is there are lots of there's lots of room for improvement in that technology. And actually, all of our developers were at the time, all of them were in Canada. Um, so we're building this U.S. healthcare product, and these uh, Canadian developers who are not consuming U.S. healthcare are building this technology. And at that time, um, in you know 2012, 2013 the idea of product management wasn't as you know ubiquitous as maybe it is today. Um, and so what I found was like, there was this disconnect happening between what the end user needs, what salespeople are out there selling um, and what was being developed and supported. And so I kind of interjected myself into that spot, not even knowing the words product management. Um, and then slowly but surely made my way out of implementation and was a product manager. And I, I you know, how that relates to today is that um, the, the things I learned about building a product management department and product development is what we've taken on to Five Stone and me and the CTO from InQuicker, as well as the lead front end developer from InQuicker, went off and started Five Stone. So we we met there, we connected there, we worked really well together there, and um, you know the acquisition was a wonderful thing for quicker and for the longevity of that product and that team. Um, but you know we were really excited and motivated by the small team environment and being able to make an impact on what was happening with the you know product roadmap um, and connecting directly with customers. And so when that wasn't as possible as the team got bigger and the company got bigger um, we, you know, we made our way out. And what we've seen is that what we learned at in quicker can be applied both to developing software for brand new founders and for established companies. So like the way I look at it is adding quicker. If somebody like me as somebody like five stone had come into InQuicker quicker and taught me best practices in product management, I could have really accelerated faster. Um, instead, I found that information through the internet and through talking to people in my network. Um, and so what we're finding is, even though product management is a thing now that a lot of people know about, um, it's not necessarily you know, implemented in a way that, that necessarily works inside a tech company all the time. Um, and so people are bringing us in to come in and say, hey, based on our experiences, Let's look at your process and your team and let's make your product development
1: process better. So, Okay, so interesting. So back in before the acquisition, when you were at InQuicker, you basically noticed that there was the need for this thing called product management that you're saying didn't <laughs> exist yet, which is really funny to think about now. Um,
2: but it definitely existed in the world <laughs> and it definitely existed in San Francisco.
1: Um, right. but not as much here and, and definitely not at Inquicker quicker at that time. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, and someone like me who does not live in the tech world, I mean, now I know you say product management, I have a pretty good idea of what you're talking about because like you use the word ubiquitous. It is, we, we know now what that is, but a few years ago, It sounds like you have some entrepreneurialism in your blood to just see a need and figure out a way to meet it. It was almost like, it sounds like from listening to you talk, almost like building a small business inside of the company that you worked for. Hmm.
2: That's a really interesting insight because I never actually saw myself as entrepreneurial at the time. Um, And I would even go out and say hey, I love working for a founder and in a small business, but I'm not a founder. I'm not a CEO. Um, And maybe that was just, you know, some other voice in my head telling me that, but I I thought I needed to be more, you know, the second in command. Um, But I always was interested in, you know, noticing problems and finding a way to solve them. Um, And that's, that's been true for me throughout my career and academic life. Um, So when this opportunity, when it was like, Hey, you, you can solve these interesting problems for people with two people, you know, and trust so well, um, that didn't seem like a big risk where I was going out and saying, Hey, I'm the founder of something. Um, It felt more just like a natural extension of what was happening at Inquicker. quicker. Um, And then, you know, of course, now it's year three and I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, I am a
1: founder. Mm -hmm. You sure are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, at year three, what do you think about it? What do you think about being in business for yourself, being your own boss?
2: Overall, I think it's amazing. It's what a cool gift to be able to, you know, decide how we're going to solve problems, who we're going to partner with, um, how we're gonna do business, how we're gonna live our day-to-day lives, like all of that is in our own control now. It's both so awesome and also like, oh, is this, I, I think regularly I'm looking at it and saying like, is this sustainable? Do we get to keep doing this? Um, and now, at the start of year three, like it feels much more sustainable than it, than it did last year. Um, but it, it, there's, I guess there's still some imposter syndrome in there, um, feeling like, are, are we really doing this? Do we get to keep doing it You know, for years to come? Uh, I hope the answer is yes.
1: <laughs> so your business partners, they're in Canada, right? Both of them? Both of them, yeah. What part of Canada?
2: They're up in British Columbia, on Vancouver Island, um, in a city called Victoria. It is so beautiful, and I can't believe I get to be so connected with that place.
1: <laughs> Blake is Canadian. Yeah,
0: I'm actually. Yeah, I, my cousin lives on, I think, uh, in British Columbia and Victoria Island, In a no little, little city called Nanaimo. I think it is. So, yeah.
2: Yes, that's yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, you're
0: familiar with the small. Know, group. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still a Canadian citizen, so it's kind of interesting. You know, we have the North Carolina and the Canada and the Nashville connection. So
2: I know and the healthcare Absolutely. IT. Yeah. <laughs> see, that, that is funny.
0: So what what does a partner or what does a customer look like for you guys? I'm kind of curious to see like how you're getting leads or like what what's an ideal customer for you guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we're seeing it as two different kind of lines of business that we're in. Um, one is the building of software for founders. Um, what we're finding are typically non-technical founders who ha- who know their industry super well, and they have a problem they want to solve, um, and they already have an idea of what type of technology they want to build, but they don't know what to do next. Um, and we're finding these people through our network. Um, you know there's there's no shortage of smart people with who are super into their industry and have a problem they want to solve um, and I think well you know so there's that type of customer um, and they might have an MVP of a product and they might have nothing um, and and that's who we've worked with a lot um, and then the other type of customer is an established tech technical team who has a piece of software out in the world that people are using but they're looking around inside their development team and saying there is there's some sort of gap here Um, we are maybe we're not prioritizing correctly we're not hitting timelines the way we would expect to And what we're finding is it's very much like a product management problem. Like it might come to us as a development problem. Um, They might think they need technical leadership, but often what we find is perhaps there's a a gap in like a CTO type role, but typically there's also a gap in product management. Um, And so those companies are any, you know, so far they've been anywhere from 50 people to hundred people and we're going in and we're figuring out where are the gaps and starting to fill some of those hiring people, creating process um, inside those those companies. So two kind of very different uh, types of work that we're doing both building software and kind of consulting teams, but they feed into each other really well.
1: Did you know who your customer was before you got started three years ago? Did you know about those two different groups?
2: no No, we we definitely weren't defining it so well um who did you
1: think you were gonna serve when you first got started
2: hmm i i think the the one that was coming up more often was um the building of software right especially the fact that both of my business partners write code they've you know led large technical teams That's a, what I'm finding is like, that's a skill that people know they need. You know, it's like, I don't know how to write code. I want to build a piece of software. I need to find somebody who can write code. So like, that's how people find us typically. Um, But then what we're seeing is that we can bring something different to the table that sometimes we have to educate them on that they even need. Um, But that's the, the, the product side of things, you know, defining what should be built and how it can be built in a phased way um, so that we're building something that customers can actually use and we're not um, kind of wasting a lot of money in the process, which I don't think um, people always understand that there's a kind of a smarter way to build technology.
1: So your business partners both write code mm-hmm. and you are more on the product management side, right? That's right, so what does a what does that look like on a day to day basis for you on that side, the education piece, what kinds of things are you using to educate your customers about being working smarter with their technology? Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, currently it is a lot of individual conversations with people and um, showing them examples of what's worked well for us. Um, what I believe could happen over time is a way to kind of scale that education. you know um, An idea that I have is perhaps being able to create like uh, explanation of what best practices are to us in the product development world and something that we could share with people, whether they're working with us or not, um, so that we can share some of these thoughts out into the world. But really right now, it's not, it's not set up in a super scalable way. We just meet with people individually and, and share what we know, especially in conjunction with what we've learned about their company or their
1: environment. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of outsourcing development um especially around like python php and just doing like web development stuff and also back-end development uh, mm. to, to india and philip the philippines just because obviously it's cheap but it it uh it actually gets done quicker and with less um you know employee you know stuff to deal with what are your thoughts on like outsourcing stuff like that um, is that something you guys do or is that kind of not in your wheelhouse yeah
2: good question um I mean that isn't something that we do, um, but we do have partners who do, you know, customers who do. Um, the way we're approaching it is, you know, as long as it's what needs to be developed is well defined, and you have, um, you know, quality coders in any city, any country, then um, you know you can be successful. But I think maybe hopefully what you've seen then there Blake is that the definition of what needs to be worked on and why and those kind of requirements and success criteria are really clear um, because that's where we've seen people waste money is if it's not well defined then you could hand somebody who's super you know great at the work that they do but if they don't have a, a good definition of what needs to be built then it you know, you don't get what you what you hope you'd get.
0: Right. Makes sense. Mm
2: -hmm. Hey, one clarification too. my business partners can both code, but that isn't their primary role anymore. Um, So we do bring on subcontractors who um, write code for us as well as like designers, um, other product managers. So we're building up a bit of a team when it comes to that. And one of my business partners, Ryan, he is typically the one leading the development team, so he gets more in the weeds um, on the architecture and development side. And then Jarrett, um, my other business partner, he plays more of that kind of CTO role. So he's he's the you know he's the farthest away from the code, um, but but also comes with a technical background.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that feeds well into my next question because we just talked about scaling and a little bit about growth. You mentioned you have some subcontractors. So what do you envision for the future of five stones?
2: Yeah, that's a very pertinent question um, because we would like to keep growing our team and um, you know, teaching other people how we approach building software. Um, At the same time, I don't see us 100% working in only the kind of business development, marketing, operations, HR, you know, the the building of the business or the working in the business versus on the business kind of concept that gets talked about a lot. I, I don't wanna pull out of developing products altogether. Um, I would like to grow a team and continue to grow our customer base and, and grow Fivestone in a, in a way that is you know, scalable. Um, but I'm not looking for pulling out of building, building the products altogether. Um, I don't know if we can do both things. Um, because everyone you talk to says you got to make a choice. Um, you either work in the business or on the business. Um, but I am not willing to let go yet of, of being a product manager, along with the being a, a business owner.
1: Mm-hmm. Of having it all.
2: Yeah, I want to <laughs> have it all. I don't know if that's going to be possible.
1: <laughs> so that actually sets up, the next question, really well. It's actually the last question, so I'll check with Blake. Do you have any other questions before I ask it?
0: Um, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I probably will after um, you ask the question, though. <laughs> Go ahead and, hit <laughs> it, and then we'll see.
1: All right. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, you Anupa, you talked about. You, I mean, one of the reasons that you started Five Stone with your co-founders is because you like the small team environment. And so it makes a whole lot of sense why you don't have plans to grow into this huge corporation and go public or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's working for you, it sounds like. But obviously you want to see the company succeed and be sustainable how do you define success for the company this is a big question (laughs) and how do you define success for yourself
2: Mm. for five stone um, I think success for us is building products building software with people we enjoy partnering with, enjoy solving problems with, um, and building software that is useful and used out in the market. Um, and that can be in many different industries, many different pieces of software, but we're now on our way to software being used in healthcare in Canada, in legal system in Canada, a professional development organization in the U.S., know if those products get used and are um, you know move the needle on solving that problem then that will be um, successful for us and if we can continue to do that for more small businesses um, then I think that would be a a positive you know place for five stone to be especially in the next few years Um, I think beyond that um, a goal that five stone has is building our own piece of software and selling that. And perhaps that could be the scalable business that we're talking about. Um, a software com- company scalability uh, to us seems a lot more feasible than uh, scaling a consulting company. Um, so that, that's a little maybe tidbit for the future of, of what might happen with Five Stone.
1: Okay. Um,
2: you asked personal
1: success. Sure. Or just in general. And that might be your answer to that. Um, But yeah, just as a person, how do you define success for yourself?
2: You know, I had a a thought on this that is much more just kind of vague and open, open out there. It's the idea that I I would like to just be at peace with how things, you know, how things unfold both personally and professionally. um, I just would like to feel um, calm and accepting of how things go and open to
1: the flow of life. Um, And I think that is possible. So much yoga terminology in there. Right? (laughs) The flow. I I was going (laughs) to say that.
0: I was going to ask, does yoga help with that? I think you already answered that question. Absolutely.
2: Yoga, meditation, these, these thoughts definitely help with that.
0: Yeah. Oh, you, you do meditation in the morning or yes, throughout the day? 5, yes. Yeah. I need to get back on that. It's very, very important in my opinion.
1: I would agree with that. We could have a whole conversation about that. <laughs> we could. That's for a different podcast. Uh, that's <laughs> cool. Maybe start some meditation st- software. Build some meditation software, oh. and then we'll be able to <laughs> interview you all, all about that.
2: Surprisingly, there's plenty of competitors, and that's <laughs> Yeah.
1: There is. Isn't there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anupa, thank you. This was really fun. I learned some things I didn't know about you and your company. So thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing about yourself today.
0: Of course.
2: Thank you both for having me on. And
0: That's where's great. the where, where can we find your stuff? Is it on LinkedIn or the website? Where's the best place for five stone?
2: Yeah. Um, fivestone.io is our
1: website. It's the number five or the The number five and the letter five. Oh, smart. (laughs) And you can contact us through that.
2: Um, And I'm also linked on LinkedIn, Anupa Nike. Um, So you
1: can find us either way. Okay.
0: Cool. Thank you.
1: Thanks Anupa. Yes. Thank you both.